this week on our campus, we're beginning a, a new six-week series called Connected. We've been talking about it for a while. We, uh, we've been anticipating. We're excited about it. And um, <clears throat> this week already, several different groups, as was mentioned earlier, have been meeting across the South Bay, La Mesa, Spring Valley, um, Benita, Chula Vista, even here in the church this morning. Um, people gathered around the idea of connecting to one another. So we're beginning a new series called Connected. That's why you see the banners that's in your bulletin. And if you were not able to participate in a small group, as was mentioned earlier, it's not too late. Uh, there's plenty of opportunity, plenty of room for you if you'd like to be a part of it. And the invitation is simple. We believe that God has given us to one another. It's what we've been talking about um, in the weeks leading up to today and what we'll talk about today. So I'm going to invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. And we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 2 and continue the conversation that we've begun in our small groups. <clears throat> when I was uh, little, uh, my uh, aunt carried only a handful of membership cards. One was um, Gemco. Th- does anybody remember that, Gemco? I think it was only in National City. I've never seen it anywhere else. Gemco. <clears throat> uh, and uh, it used to be across the street from us. And so we lived there uh, in, uh, by, by, uh, by Highland, and it was across the street from us. And we'd go to Gemco, and you could go in there and, and, and buy cool stuff. And then another one opened up called Fedco. Fedco, right? On Highland Boulevard, I think it was, Fedco. And that, the Fedco card, once you got it, it said membership for life. So you had the Fedco card, and you were a member for life until they went out of business. And then the card was no good anymore. It's a Walmart now. Uh, and then, uh, you know, my long, long time ago, my, my mom had this card. It, was, it, was a, um, it wasn't Costco. It was called Fry's Club. That's right, Fry's Club. And you'd have to go all the way down Broadway, down Chula Vista, down to Palm, down there. And, uh, and, and you could get into the, the Fry's Club. And they didn't have regular shopping carts. They only had the big, the loaders. So we'd get all on there and we'd get wheeled around. But if you, if you had that special card, you could get access in, and like, uh, like Miss Crystal said, you could buy all kinds of cool stuff. But there's only a handful of places that you needed membership to go to. Nowadays, everywhere I go, I'm asked if I want to be a member. Does that happen to you too? Like you're, you're, uh, you know, you're at the gas station. They're like, oh, do you have a rewards card? What? what? Uh, you're at Walgreens. Every little store has a membership card. When you're at Target, do you want to be a member? Everywhere they have a special membership card so you can get, Vaughn's has one, Ralph's has one, and they give you the card and the thing for your keychain, and if you take them all, you'll have a big sucker like this. So we all know about membership, right? We all know about membership. And everywhere we go, someone offers us membership to something, and, and they tell us the benefits of membership. And, of course, in some places, there is a cost. Even the places that say, no, it's totally free, you know there's a cost, right? Like, what do I have to do to sign up? Well, it's completely free. Just give us your name, your phone number, and your email address. And, of course, they're going to, you know, you're going to get your inbox full of stuff. They're going to send you advertisements and the like. So there's a cost and there's a, there's a benefit. And it's, and it's always up to us to sort of figure out what are the costs, what are the benefits. So today I want to talk to you about an all-access membership. An all-access membership. Do you have one of those, by the way? All-access memberships? Different people, different company, uh, different companies have their uh, different levels of membership. For example, if you go to Costco, uh, you can get the regular membership. 
or you get the executive membership. Did you guys know there's an executive membership? It's a black card. And if you have the executive membership, then you get money back from Costco. They don't just take your money. They give you money back. And you get to go in a half an hour early when it's not crowded. Did you know that? Some of you guys know because you're executive members, but you don't want the rest of the people to know. You're like, shh, keep it down. There's different levels of membership, right? An all-access membership lets you in to everything and access to everything. More recently, entertainment companies are giving all-access memberships. Video game companies giving all-access memberships. You can play all their video games. You know that Sony Entertainment Group has an all-access membership when you can, you can get access to all their music and all their movies? All-access membership for one low, low price. I don't even know what it is. It's pretty, I'm pretty sure it's not low. An all-access membership. Most companies have different tiers and different levels. Different tiers and different levels. I was telling my group uh, on Thursday that my first sort of membership card that I got was an American Express in college. The recruiters came to school and they offered a free t-shirt if you signed up. We got some Los Angeles students here. I don't know if you guys have fallen for that one, but I fell for it. I'm like, free t-shirt, sweet. So I put my name down and then before you know it, I had one. And uh, I was like, what is this? What do you do with it? Um, Turns out, it costs money uh, every year. You have to pay. Um, and then you get some benefits. There are some benefits. And I thought it was the coolest thing. And started seeing it on TV, and it was a green card. And I was like, yeah. But did you know that after a while, they come up with other levels? Like my wife got an invitation to the gold card. Anybody have a gold card? And then an invitation to the platinum card. Ooh, platinum card. And word on the street is there's even an invitation to the black card. I've never seen it. Have you seen it? It's like a, you have one? Oh, don't, don't, just don't say yes. Don't say yes. You just, it was a knowing look. I, I don't want to know. They turn you down? Like I said. <laughs> uh, so everyone has different levels, right? And, and they tell you, oh, if, 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 if you uh, purchase enough or you attend enough, you can bump up your level. You can increase your points or whatever it is, and you get to the next level. And with every level, there's more access. There's more benefits to your membership. Well, today I want to talk to you about all-access membership, but maybe not in the way that we're accustomed to thinking about it. Read along with me, please, if you would. We're in the book of Ephesians. We're in chapter 2, and we're going to start with verse 11, chapter 2, verse 11. <clears throat> the book of Ephesians was written by the Apostle Paul, and he was, it was a letter, a letter meant to be read out loud in front of a church congregation like this one um, uh, in, in the city of Ephesus. And, and Paul, who had traveled there previously and had begun to spread the good news about Jesus to people who had never heard about Jesus before, set up a community of believers, a group of people just like you. But since Paul didn't stay there and then live there, he moved on. Every once in a while, he would send letters of encouragement, and this is one such letter. So Paul writes a letter to the church in Ephesus, and in this letter, meant to be read publicly and out loud, he points out a few things that are of a special significance to us. So follow along with me. We're, we are in chapter um, 2, beginning with verse 11. Some of this might be confusing. Just hang in there. And it says this, Therefore, remember that formerly... You who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. You were without hope, without God in the world. Paul is writing to this church and he's reminding them what they were like when he found them, when he first met them. So I want to give you a little bit of background on what life would be like if you were 
Ephesian, if you will, and lived at the time. At the time that uh, this letter is written, um, in, in, um, in the world of the Bible, there are basically two kinds of people in the world. I don't know if someone's ever told you there's two kinds of people in the world. Well, in their day, there literally was two kinds of people in the world. And you've heard these phrases. There was either Jews or Gentiles, right? The, the word Gentile seems soft now. It almost sounds like genteel. It seems soft, but it wasn't. The word Gentile was meant to denote anyone other than Jew, anyone other Okay, so when Paul is writing to the church in Ephesians, the church uh, of Ephesus, to the Ephesians, he's essentially referring to people who were not Jewish. But I want you to just think about what life would be like for them. For one, they were Greeks. So the way they lived their life was according to Greek philosophy. And if you know anything about Greek philosophy, uh, there's a ton of Greek philosophers. <laughs> Along would come another and would preach this, and people would go for that. Uh, they'd have many gods and many principles, many ideas. And, and most of the time, they were just living to find the thing that was beneficial to them. So they lived a life of, of very loose morality, if morality exist at, existed at all. They were into their own thing and doing their own stuff. Amongst themselves, they lived just fine. They had a society. But in relationship to the Jews, um, it, it was very different. The Jewish people considered them the most worthless excuses for human beings. Um, I was reading uh, 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 William Barclay in, in his commentary on the, on the letter to the Ephesians. He says that to Jews, Gentiles were firewood for hell. They were considered just feel to be burned in hell. They were uh, so considered so worthless, in fact, that if you ever ran across a pregnant woman who was from Ephesus and she was waiting to deliver and in trouble, you would just ignore her. They were so they thought of them as so worthless, in fact, that if for some reason a Jewish boy fell in love with a Greek girl or a girl from Ephesus, the day that they got married, his family would also host his funeral. They would just disavow and cut him off. In fact, they wanted nothing to do with them. Because Jews, the ones that are living in this day, that's why that verse 11 sounds confusing, but these people essentially believe that the word of God and every promise of God from the Old Testament up until the present was meant only for those that were on the inside, only if you were Jewish by birth. Or if somehow through rigorous testing you converted to Judaism. But essentially they believed it was for the inner circle, that God's love and God's blessing was for the inner circle. And anyone outside of the inner circle was essentially firewood for hell and wanted nothing to do with them. And so Paul says, that's how I found you. When I found you, not only were you really outside of all the promises that God had made to the people of Israel up here in the Old Testament, he says, but when I found you, you were also doing your own thing, wasting your time in things that are not important, living a life of immorality, and essentially cut off from God because you did not know God. So he says, that's how I found you. Verse 13, but now, because of Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay, so picture this. 
you have those who have known about Jesus, known about the message of God. They are those that consider themselves members of the inner circle. They have membership in the people of God. And then you have everyone else, at least at the time we're reading the story, who doesn't know about God and who they consider foreigners and outsiders. And to some extent they are. They're from a different country, speak a different language. And Paul says that when Jesus came, he made a way for foreigners and strangers to become part of the inner circle. It was as if Jesus was extending membership to anyone to be part of the inner circle. So that's what Paul says, verse 14. For he himself, Jesus is our peace. Uh, um, this goes on confusing. He who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier of the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with his commandments and regulations. But his purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. So Jesus came and preached peace to those who were far away, but he also preached peace to those who were near, those in the inner circle, the Jews as well. And he says, for through him we both have access to the Father. So Paul is trying to get us, get us to understand the new membership. The new membership that Jesus came to establish. It wasn't just for those who were members of the promises of God. Descendants of Abraham. Descendants of Moses. Descendants of, of, of the promises uh, 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 of the Old Testament. It wasn't just for them. Nor was it just for those who believed in Jesus. It was for everyone. Those who were far. Those who were near. And, and, and Paul says here, consequently, verse 19, look, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Paul makes it a point to tell us that it is because of Christ Jesus that those who were far have now come near. Now, it might sound a little bit academic here as we're reading this, but I want you to think about it for just a second. Have you, ever been, have you ever wanted to be part of a group, but they didn't want to let you in? Have you ever wanted to belong somewhere and have them shut you out? Do you know what that feels like? I'm pretty sure you do. I'm pretty sure at some, journey, at some part in your journey, you've, you've wanted to be a part of something, whether it was, you know, a club at school or whether it was, you know, the inner circle in your family or, or some group of friends that you wanted to be a part of, but they excluded you. And you know what it feels like to be on the outside, to, to deal with feelings of rejection and, um, and maybe anger. You probably all know what that's like. If you don't, just think back when you were in junior high, and I'm sure you have plenty of experiences when you were put on the outside. And, and Paul is trying to get us to think about what it means to be left on the outside and suddenly be given access to the inside. It's an interesting feeling. And Paul says here, for those who were left out of God's grace because they did not know God or believe in God, he says, you were lost and you didn't even know it. And now for some of them who were trying to become Christ followers, those in the inner circle were keeping them out. That's the whole circumcision, uncircumcision thing. They were keeping them out. But Paul says, because of Christ, we can all be on the inside. By Christ, because of Christ, we are all fellow citizens and we are now members of God's household. See, it is Jesus Christ that gives us the privilege of connecting to one another. 
It is through Jesus Christ the people who were once separated can now be connected together once again. Through Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ, and, and Paul makes it a point to say that Jesus Christ came and sacrificed himself so that this could take place. Now, why would this matter to you? Well, simply put, it's because of this last phrase right here. Paul says, consequently, you're not foreigners. You are citizens with God's people, but you are also members of God's household. See? Paul is essentially telling us that when you and I accept God and accept his son, Jesus Christ, as our personal Savior, which most of you have, maybe at one point or are considering it even now, not only do you get reconciled with God, but you get family privileges. You get an all-access membership in the household of God. I want you to think about that for just a second and what that might mean. Some of you guys know that um, my parents died when I was 10. Uh, they passed away in a car accident. And when, when my parents passed away, um, back in the country where I was born, we didn't really have any relatives there. All my relatives had emigrated here to the U.S. or were in Brazil. So we were kind of left by myself, my brother and I, the two of us. And uh, while we were in the hospital, relatives came from the different countries, U.S. and Brazil, and they haggled over who should take these little orphans. Cause it was, we were, I was 10 and he was 14. And then they, uh, they made a choice and a decision that the best thing for us would be to come to be in the U.S. So that's how we came. My brother and I ended up here. And I remember that when, when I first arrived, uh, we had several different relatives who lived uh, in the area. Uh, I didn't know where I was going. I was 10, so they didn't give me a lot of information. And then I said, oh, by the way, you're going to, um, you're going to live with these uncles. And maybe some of you guys have a similar story to me. And I, and I went to live there. Um, and they were nice, and they were great and wonderful to me. But it's a very different feeling to live in someone else's house versus living in your own house. Do you understand what I'm saying? After a while, these uncles had some stuff they were going through. They said, so now you, um, we need you to go and live with these other uncles. And I went to live with them. And they were wonderful. They had kids my age and had a great time. But the one thing I kind of learned early on is that every household has its own rules, right? Um, in some households, you take your shoes off. In some households, you don't. And that's a minor one. They have other more significant rules. But you learn very quickly, you know, what, what the house rules are by making the mistakes. But one of the things that sort of like was difficult for me is that I never really knew if anything was mine. I rarely had, well, I never had my own room. Um, I always shared a room with somebody as I moved in. And it made it difficult for me during my teenage years especially because I wanted to know where I belonged and who I belonged to and what my name meant. Um, as much as my family loved me, I didn't look like them. And I didn't feel like them. And I felt adrift. I'm blessed that they took care of me and they loved me and even adopted me legally so that I could stay in this country. But for a long time, I struggled with who I, where I actually belonged. 
It's a very different thing to live in someone's household versus living in your house. It's a very different thing to be a guest in the house of God versus having household privileges, being a member of God's household. And that's what Paul is suggesting here. Paul is suggesting that when you and I accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, God becomes our Father, and then we get all-access membership to the household of God. And you know what that means? That means that you and I actually become not guests in his house, but brothers and sisters. There's a different relationship between a brother and a sister than between guests sharing the same house. I went to college. I had roommates, right? <laughs> As some of you guys know, you've had roommates. Some of you guys have roommates now. Um, once upon a time, you know, I was in a house with a bunch of roommates. There were several. It was a big house, lots of rooms, lots of different people, and everyone has their own little corner. That's different. You learn to get along. You learn to manage. You learn how to divvy up the expenses. And you can survive that way. And many of you, many of us have been surviving the way in this house. Like we're renting a room in the house of God. And we have some privileges. Like I can cook between these hours and I, I have to spare my share of the rent and the bill. But it's a very different story when you become a son or a daughter of the father and you get all access membership to the entire household. Do you see what I'm talking about? When I was off in a seminary, I rented a room. A wonderful family had a big house, and I rented a room. And I had a bathroom, just didn't have a kitchen. And they would say, no, no, you, you can use it, but I just didn't feel right. Going up there, interrupting their family time, and it feels weird. So if you're just renting a room, you keep to yourself, right? You ask, is there a separate entrance? So I can get in and out and go and not disturb the family. But when you become a member of the family, the invitation isn't just for you to have a place to live. The invitation is for you to live your life together. Very different. And what Paul is inviting us through here in these words, for through him we all have access, for through him we are no longer foreigners, for through him... We are now members of God's household. What Paul is essentially saying is that if you and I believe in God and believe in the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, none of us can earn but has been given to us. God is also giving us to each other. It means you don't have to rent a space on that pew. You don't have to look for a special door so that you can get in and out. God has given you an all-access membership. God's household. He intended us to live not as guests in his house, but as brothers and sisters. That we would, catch this, that we would see each other in the best of times and in the worst of times. And through those experiences, learn how to love each other in a deeper way than guests could ever love. See, guests can be cordial. Oh, yes, please, excuse me, I'm sorry. Well, I'll make sure I clean up. Hmm? Guests, can, guests can be polite. But brothers and sisters can be honest, truthful, in love. Yes, they can be hurtful too, right? They can be hurtful. 
but it's what teaches us patience. It's what teaches us love. It's what teaches us long-suffering. It's what teaches us faithfulness and commitment that we have somebody in our lives that no matter what happens, they'll always be my brother. Always be my brother. There used to be three of us in my household when I was a kid, three boys. One died in the car accident. So now there's just two of us, my older brother and I. And even though we are adopted into another family, and I was essentially taken in by one, he was essentially taken in by other, and we have people that we call mom and people that we call brothers and sisters, we know kind of like when push comes to shove, I've only got that one brother. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm sure you do. When, when, when going gets really rough, when I'm desperate, he's my flesh and blood, right? You know that feeling? Well, that's what God is inviting us to with each other. Think about that for just a second. The idea that you and I just kind of come and participate is, is, is nice. But it, we're missing out on the all-access privileges that come with being part of God's household. Do you know that God has many blessings in store for us if and when we decide to treat each other or invest or risk getting to know each other to that level? Think about it. You have two or three, maybe like me, you have one brother, sister, you can count on. But imagine if you could call on and count on all the people in this room. Wow, that's, that's pretty awesome. You know that if you needed something, that if you're going through a difficult time, these are the people that were going to answer the phone call and we're going to say, it's going to be all right. I'll be there. What do you need? These are the people that are going to come by and give you food when you can't make it yourself. These are the people who will give you rides to places. These are the people who will encourage you when others are putting you down. Do you see what I'm saying? That's the privilege that we have been giving with this all-access pass. But too often, we are content to simply rent a room in God's house rather than accept membership, all-access membership in God's household. And the challenge for us, for me, myself, you and I, is whether or not we'll do it. We'll take a chance. It's risky, I know. I know you've been hurt before by people in this very room. But it's sometimes going through those difficult times that grows the strongest faith. And that's the invitation, that we would connect to one another, that we would find a way to be known, let ourselves be known, and know others, and that we would choose to develop a love for each other that goes beyond simple politeness, simple guest behavior, but one that is because we're members of the same household, the household of God. The promises of God and His true blessing for us is to be found here. That's what Paul says. Consequently, we're not foreigners or strangers. We are all members of God's household. And the blessing that God has in store, he meant for us to experience through each other first.